0: does gear really matter that's what we're talking about on today's podcast get your cup of joe ready we have a lot to talk about hello and welcome back to the morning cup of joe podcast the ultimate podcast for content creators geared toward helping you find the creator within and turn passion into purpose. Today, I am super stoked to announce, uh, I have another creator buddy on here, another filmmaker, fellow filmmaker, uh, Andrew Murphy. Andrew, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Hey guys, my name is Andrew Murphy. Um, I am currently a full-time YouTuber. Um, I make content around basically making photos and videos for online, so teaching people how to Make better content online, and hopefully, potentially, allowing them to learn enough and get the confidence to to go full time and and make it make their dream a reality.
0: Honestly, I love that. I really do love that, and I love how like uh, you're in a similar niche as me, and so I mean that's why we're on this podcast. But I recently went back to full time creating as well. I was a full time creator for a while. Uh, you know everything with COVID kind of happened, and it was kind of hit or miss. But now I am back as a full-time creator, and so I know that feeling. I don't make any money off of YouTube, and so I do want to say that that's amazing, and I'm so happy for you, bro.
1: Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
0: Of course. And so, the topic for today is: Do I need better gear to be a better creator? I let you choose that topic. What made you want to choose that?
1: I think for me, it's it's like. The age old question and I get it so much. It's like I've got like oh, a, a, a lot of people use it as an excuse to not create. It's like I want to start making films, but I don't have a camera. And it's like, well, do you have a phone? Do you have an iPhone? Yeah. Oh, so why don't you just use that? Oh, no, no. But but I need a camera. And it's like, but why do you like, why do you think you need that when you've got such an amazing camera like right in your pocket these days?
0: Yeah. And it's it's crazy. And it's hard, too, because a lot of people let the gear dictate how good of a creator they are, right? Rather than uh, vice versa. And I don't know if you've ever watched Casey Neistat, but I do a lot. And you'll notice his first films weren't shot on the best cameras at all. But the story that he had was rock solid, and that's why his videos did so well in the beginning. Like his his TV show was shot on an an array of cameras. And, And a lot of the cameras, they did a Super 8 camera that didn't even have audio. They had to do the audio later and sync it up. And so with enough uh, grit and will and a, a good story and, you know, stuff like that, all, you can use almost anything as a good camera, as a viable option, I think. Absolutely. And so let, let's just, like I said, let's get right into it. Uh, do you need better gear to be a creator? Why or why, why not? Like what is, what is your kind of response to that? Because people do say the gear matters, but at a certain point, right – when you get enough money, when you get enough experience, when you get enough of that, you're gonna want to get that new camera. So, wh- what is your take on that?
1: Um, so you you pretty much covered it. Like you you hit the nail on the head right there. It's that the gear isn't you, the gear that you have doesn't dictate the quality of like obviously the quality in terms of like how many pixels and the the dynamic range and all that, but the quality of the film that you produced isn't dictated by the quality of the camera that you have. Like, you could be shooting on a RED, you can be shooting on an ARRI, but if you don't have a good story to tell or you're just kind of like shooting a whole bunch of random stuff, no one's going to care. But the Vice versa is exactly the same. You could be shooting on like the worst camera in the world, but if you have an amazing story to tell, then... people are going to watch and people are going to be interested in, and, and stick around for that
0: yeah i agree and i think that you shouldn't let the gear dictate you dictate uh, who you are as a creator because that's that's a bad way to be right because everyone thinks if they have this camera they could do all these things right like uh peter mckinnon has a red camera and i know i'm name dropping a lot of people but it's just kind of for the comparison peter mckinnon has a red camera but it wasn't given to him he earned that through doing all, you know, monetizing his skills and you doing client work and grinding through that to the point where he's built his personal brand, where he's making the amount of money that he is off of it. And he's done some crazy things. So, of course, you know, as he gets that money, as his skills get better, his gear's going to get better. Right. So he can maximize everything to help to help just kind of tell the story right but everyone thinks that, that if they had a red camera they would be the same on the same level when in fact no like it's it's the process of working for that gear that makes you so grateful and so good with that gear cuz if if uh, the camera made you who you were as a creator everyone who you, youtube would be a money game essentially everyone who had a red camera would have 10 million subscribers but that's not the case
1: yeah exactly and and i i, th- I think one of the big things that um someone said to me um like the other month when I was doing kind of like an online session with a mate and again teaching some people more about video and um, he, he started bringing up the topic of um, like what's the what's the camera that I need what's how can I you know upgrade my quality and stuff and and we just said to him it was like the camera that you buy isn't going to dictate how good of a quality of video you make and he's like yeah but you can say that because you've got the gear and it's like okay, I can understand why you would think that. And it does make sense. It's like I know that you don't need gear because I've spent a lot of money on gear and I know that it hasn't changed anything to do with my storytelling or the way I produce films. It obviously helps. Like, it makes them look nicer and it helps my workflow and I can, you know, shoot in 4K and all this crazy stuff now. But at the same time, it's... Like I could be doing that on an iPhone as well. It's it's I, I I'm not hindered by being like okay I, I I can only shoot on a red and I'll only do something on this because otherwise it's not worth it sort of thing.
0: Well, honestly, when you do that, you put yourself in a box, and it's 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 crazy because. The whole, the whole point of YouTube, right, is you just grind it out until you get those skills. You start off bad. You build your audience as you get better, right? Because if you're good enough at something, the money will come, right? If you're the best speaker in the world, you're going to be booking hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of speaking engagements. Or you're going to get paid six figures each speaking engagement if you're good enough at it, right? And so it's, it's like that with anything. As YouTube, your skills build and then the gear builds, right? Like what is that uh, – there's a meme they're like build it and they will come right that's that's how it is build your skills and everything else comes after you grind through everything but everybody kind of flips that in their brain and thinks that hey i need this to start they, they set their they set their limitations on themselves and they set like their expectations way too high thinking I, I, honestly i don't know i i know how it is to be a beginner and everybody watches everybody you watch has this great camera and you're sitting there like right now I'm still using a Canon 70D, which is two generations behind. It only does at 1080p the most 30 frames per second. I have it set for 24 and they don't even they don't even manufacture that camera anymore and I'm using kit lenses to do what I do. I just barely pulled the trigger after about a year of wanting to buy a Sony. I just barely got a Sony. It's not even shipped here. It's shipped to uh, my family's house in Nevada so when I get back I can kind of Learn it while I'm not on the job, so I'm not making these stupid mistakes. And I have to have that insight in myself and my creative ability to realize that it's probably not a good idea to get everything set up how I'm doing now, and then just start throwing wrenches in those gears and hoping it'll work out.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I you've done a very good point there, because the other thing is that when you're first starting out, like especially if you're starting out in and trying to build a business. Like cash flow is king. So if you're spending all this money that you essentially don't have on all this crazy gear that you're expecting to suddenly make you a lot of money because you're spending all this like a, a absorbent amount of uh, money on this equipment, you're in the wrong mindset. Like for me, like I started my, I started my business four years ago and I started with uh, a 5D Mark II I think, and that's all I had. And then, you know, I upgraded from the 5D Mark II to the 5D Mark III, and then I kind of u- upgraded from that to um, like a C100 Mark One, and then a C100 Mark Two, and now I'm, I'm on a C200 now. But even like when I'm vlogging and stuff, I just use like an EOS Like I, I've got this, you know, $15,000 camera that I could shoot on, but it doesn't always suit every single project that I'm working on. Like sometimes it can actually be more of a hassle to shoot on that than to just shoot or well, even sometimes i just shoot on my iphone because it's just easier it's like it, it's, it's the camera that works in the situation that you want it to work in
0: yeah one of the constant things i say on this podcast or my youtube channel is do what you can't with what you have because the story you can tell with the gear you have is better than the story you don't tell because you don't have whatever gear right and i made a youtube video actually really recently um probably Two videos ago, where I shot the entire thing on an iPhone. It was a cracked iPhone XR that I got from someone I'm working with right now because he upgraded the iPhone Eleven. So I asked if I could, you know, mess around with that iPhone that he had. It's a cheap version. It does 4K. It does slow mo. It does time lapse. And everything might not be perfect, but even still, uh, I've got my my gear right. And I did a flat lay photo for a thumbnail of my last video, and I used the iPhone to take that photo. And so it's it's like. No one's going to really know unless you tell them or you broadcast it. Like there's so much like there's so many like clips of iPhones on YouTube in films that I would never have guessed just because it flows so well to story. It's color graded well. They have external audio and they have um, the sound design on point. And so everything kind of flows together. Audio can look, you know, somewhat bad and as long as the storyboard is on point, as long as the audio, as long as the sound design, it, it'll still capture you and it'll capture your emotion. You won't even notice most of the time.
1: I, I think what, what a good thing is um, now that I've noticed is um, the whole rise of TikTok as well. And that most of the things on TikTok are just filmed on a phone, but like it, that's so engaging. Like there's so many people making cool little skits on there. And they'll literally just film the entire thing on their phone. And the quality isn't great. But again, it's that storytelling. Like it's an interesting story. It it sucks you in. And it 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 it, it, it doesn't matter that they're not shooting on these crazy expensive cameras because it's just it's still interesting to watch.
0: Oh yeah. I, I totally agree. And it's a crazy thing. Honestly, TikTok kind of overwhelms me because you know everyone <laughs> has a tendency to spend too much time on there and I've just been trying to get good at Instagram I've been trying to get it good at YouTube I've been trying to keep on this podcast and I've been starting out a blog and so TikTok's kind of on the back burner but hopefully it's something that I can get into but I totally agree like you see all these you know thought out stories like the you know everybody's like like for part two those videos so thought out storyboards the storyboarding is actually really great um but i will say that i didn't realize you had all that gear holy cow that like how i'm trying to figure out the question Ask how how crazy was it to start making that uh, that much of an investment into the gear realizing that i think you said you what was that, uh a c300 how much was that
1: i say 200 So that, c200 uh, that was about twelve thousand dollars australian dollars
0: that, oh okay Australian dollars I don't know I honestly don't know how they um, how they compare to the American dollar but that's like a car you can buy a car with that so how did you feel making oh, that investment yeah
1: so, so for me it's obviously I, I was running my business for four years and, and, and it was a slow progression like obviously I started on a 5d mark II, which I, I think I picked up for like a thousand Australian dollars so like it was a cheap camera um, but but then as I started making more money, I started basically finding flaws in, um, in the camera that I was using and how it was affecting my workflow. So like I started filming events and obviously um, events can typically be longer than 30 minutes. So the 5D Mark II can only shoot 29 minutes, 59 seconds before it turns off. So I was like, okay, I need to find a solution to be able to shoot longer than half an hour. And that's when I started looking at the C100 Mark I, which obviously is a video camera, so it doesn't have that cap. Um, and then again, I just I, I used that for about eight months, and then um, I uh, I was using it on a gimbal, and it was kind of a bit hard to um, adjust some of the settings, but I, I worked around it for like eight eight nine months, um, and then it got to a point where a C one hundred Mark two came up at a good price, so I sold the Mark. And actually, so I kept the Mark one as like a B camera because I was using um, a 6D Mark two at the time as a B camera, and again, they weren't really pairing up like it, it was taking a lot of time and effort to um for them to look similar so that's when i i jumped to a c100 mark ii and then had the the c100 mark one and mark ii as like my my a b cam combo and then again i used that for probably 12 months and then it just happened that um, i had a bit of extra spare cash lying around and it was coming to end of financial year and um, there was a, a crazy deal on a c200 and i was like okay well Let's sell one of the other cameras. And, and, and I always do this. I always sell the camera to upgrade to a new one. Like I know a lot of people just buy gear and buy new gear and just keep all this stuff. But for me, it's like I don't use all this other stuff. I may as well get rid of it and use that money to invest into something else to make it, I guess, not hurt the bank as much as buying it outright.
0: No, I like that a lot. Honestly, the, the 5D is better than the camera that I have. Um, But I haven't really ran into too many problems with my Canon 70D. Uh, What happens is when you film over 10 minutes, it just splits it into another video file, and I haven't had any problems with time lapses, anything else. But it is, it's a crop sensor camera, it was my first uh, DSLR camera, my first official camera was a Canon Vixia camcorder. But I'm still using my first official camera with kit lenses, like I said. I've made money with them. I've I've honestly maxed out my camera and have beat it to hell, and it has done amazing things. I love it. Um, I just got a, a Sony A7 III because for the price point, I mean, you get a lot of camera for you know not a lot of not a lot of price, and it's really nice. I'm just excited to start diving into that because, like I said, uh, when I first made my my full time living, I was just kind of getting by and so the the full-time creation was hey i would do a 500 hundred dollar gig or i would do something like that and then boom that was a plane ticket for me somewhere else or that was rent or that was you know the uh the place i was staying at that that would cover that or food and so then i was good for a while and so i started working on my films and all i needed to do is get by and now i'm at a point where i'm trying to get back on the trail and not only get by but get ahead and so i want to ask you when do you draw that line versus investing into new gear and just making it work with the gear you have.
1: Uh, I, I I guess as a as a business owner, if we can talk a bit more in that sense, you're always wanting to to bring your expenses down. Like I was saying um, before, if you are having to, if you're wanting to buy new gear and you're having to put it on credit cards and like it, or take out loans and stuff, all it's doing is it's just adding way more stress onto you having to to make it like. If you're, say, if you take out on a $5,000 loan and you have to make repayments of, say, two dollars $300 on a fortnight, then that's two or $300 a fortnight more that you have to be making. Like, but before you even start making profit, you have to make that minimum. So it's just all that extra stress on you to have to you know, apply and, and, and hassle people. And what I found as well is that when you're in that mindset of needing to make money, you, you, you come from a different place and when you're trying to go for jobs, like you just start taking on stuff that you might not want to do or you might be undercutting yourself. Because say if you apply for a job and you're like, hey, you know, it's a $1,000 and they're like, oh, we can't really afford it. Like we'll give you 600 or something. But you know that this it's the only job you've got say in the upcoming fortnight. And if you don't take that job, then you won't be able to pay off your credit card. Then it's like, there's that added stress of being like, okay, I'll cut down my prices, and I'll start doing stuff, kind of like to make it work. Um, and, and and all it really does is it just kind of like brings down your confidence, and just proves to um, your clients that you aren't like it, it's it's a hard thing to talk about because every time you you cut down your prices or you undercut yourself, you're you start um, allowing your client or the customer to question why your prices were that that price to begin with. And I guess, as a creator, you're always wanting to basically go, okay, these are my prices and, and hopefully, like, people will want to pay that. Um, and, and you have to value yourself in a way that um, you're happy to, to do, like, the jobs for the price that you're paying. And, 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 like, for me, I started off, I think I started off with about, at about 50 bucks an hour or something. And then, like, as time went on, I started, you know, charging a little bit more and adding a little bit more in here. And the people that really appreciated the work that I was doing and understood why I was charging that much, you know, stuck, stuck around and, and the people that, um, that that, didn't really understand or didn't appreciate the price uh, for the value that I was giving just kind of like dropped off. Um, but again, going back, it's like it, it's an expenses thing. If, if you are spending all this excessive money on stuff that you essentially don't really need but you want. It just adds so much more stress to all the stress that you're already having to deal with running a business. Like it's not an easy thing, and for me, like I've I've never I've never had a loan. I've never um, like had a credit card that I've had to like that's whatever gone over the balance. Like I I, I've never put myself in that situation, and it's just allowed me to have a good mindset and all the profit and all the money that I. have saved has actually allowed me to take 12 months off and um, pursue YouTube full time which is actually like crazy
0: honestly that's that's literally amazing i want to con- rec- i want to congratulate you to the highest of my ability and i want to say that honestly that piece of value that gold nugget right there is so amazing everybody talks about the good part of being a creator but nobody really talks about the you know that the necessary evils or the things you kind of fight through because it's a very glorified job but you got to think you're up till midnight editing or one and two or three in the morning because you have to hit a time you know like a timeline you have to realize that there's just going to be all these struggles you're not going to be prepared for and realize for, because. For me, it's like half of the job is troubleshooting, you know, acting like you know what's going on when your microphone starts acting up or when things are going wrong. Like a lot of it's troubleshooting, photography, especially videography, especially just because I mean, if you're doing a photo shoot and then the the sun moves and the the settings on the camera need to change, right there, you're troubleshooting it, right? On the go, on the fly. It's a lot of practice. And so the only time you're really gonna truly be successful is when that camera is an extension of yourself. And it's like if you if you try to stretch yourself too thin, right? If you're starting out and you jump right into a C two hundred, right, <laughs> the settings on that camera are gonna look like a rocket ship. It's gonna feel like you're you're in a you're in a school to be a pilot it's going to be crazy i mean it was like that for my dslr until now i just got comfortable with it um you know as time went on but you kind of level up like i said very like not very slowly but you slowly go and for me what i think is when you start maxing out your camera's capabilities and you start making a decent amount of money right like if you have enough saved up from gigs that you can pull the trigger on another camera then I think that if you've maxed out your camera's capabilities and you're able to pay the bills while after you pay off that new camera, go for it, right? And do things kind of slowly. Don't just spend 10K on a new camera, on a new lens, on a new gimbal, on a mic and lights and do all this all at once. Kind of ease into it. That's my advice just because, you know, each one of those things is going to have a learning curve no matter how slight. And so, as you get the camera, you start learning the camera, right? Then you get a new lens, you start learning the lens, you start getting a feel for it. And doing it that way for me has kind of put a new appreciation for telephoto lenses and for lenses that I used to never use. I used to do everything on a wide lens, a wide zoom lens. And then I got a, an appreciation for prime lenses, especially for, you know, uh, doing like talking heads and stuff like that. And then that gave me an appreciation for the compression on zoom lenses. And so it's it's just kind of like a journey uh, and not really a, I don't know. I guess if you're creating correctly, there's not really going to be a set final destination. You just keep pushing for more. What do you think about that?
1: Oh, absolutely, man. And like you were saying, it if you say if you know the camera like your back of your hand, you're in a position where you don't even have to think about anything. So when you're creating for clients, it's like if something goes wrong, you, you automatically know. It's like oh, I just need to quickly change this, blah blah blah, and you just you just bang it out. Whereas as soon as you... Like, if you're always upgrading your camera, you never ever at a point where it's like, doesn't matter what goes wrong, I know exactly how to fix it and I know exactly what I'm going to do to change the right settings to get it back to, you know, back on track. But like, if, like it, it, it'd be the same as me suddenly picking up a Sony and trying to go shoot a client shoot. Like, I'd spend half the shoot like dialing through the menus trying to understand like where the basic settings are. And it's just all this time that you're just wasting when you could be putting it into either you know um, calling clients or doing more work or creating your own content. Like, there's just so much more better uses of your time than always having to relearn and, and, and upgrade the gear and, and just spend all that time you know, like learning all that stuff.
0: Imagine going to a client shoot and having to watch a YouTube tutorial to figure out how to, <laughs> how to put your Sony in S-log so you can color correct later
1: oh man i I couldn't even imagine that
0: (laughs) i don't know it's like there's a reason i saw my canon 70d i could have went into debt right but then you you defeat the whole purpose of being a creator you work for yourself right and like you said once you're trying to pay off a debt like that especially if it's if it's that substantial uh substantial i don't know if i said that right but um if it's that substantial then you you kind of get the work turns from being like a passion right like like on this podcast I'm all about turning passion into purpose but it it goes from that to a what is it it goes into you're kind of trapped and that's not a good feeling to have and I've I've seen certain people they'll get into that position and they'll have to resell cameras for whatever they can get out of it and then they, they end up applying for a, a nine-to-five job rather than creating and i watch i watch their whole creative journey their whole creative process deteriorate whether or not they're making or maybe it's from not making um you know, enough money to pay off the gear maybe they're not making the timelines they need to make maybe they just they just jump ship just because they're so tired of it and they're trapped and they're isolated and so it's it's better to just avoid that like andrew was saying
1: Absolutely, man. And for me personally, like, and and you know, it's 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 my opinion other people might not agree with it. But for me, I would rather you know spend, say, if I had, okay, say if I had ten thousand dollars in the bank, I'd rather spend you know two thousand dollars on a camera, and then use that other eight thousand dollars to pay my rent, pay my bills, and then use that extended amount of time to learn that camera, to make content, to start putting stuff out there. Then you know but you spend $8,000 on a camera and then you have a very, very limited amount of time where you can actually support yourself before you have to just start making money. Like you don't you don't have a choice. It's you either start making money or you start going into debt.
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of comes down to you either, um, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail and that's essentially what's happening, right? You kind of have to think about the bigger picture. Yes, it's nice to walk around with a red camera, but it's not nice walk around with a $40,000 you know, debt tag over your head and have to realize that you're spending more than most people spend on a car on a camera, not to include the lenses, not to include the mics, not to include the monitor, not to include the space. And so that's a very long laundry list of things that you're going to have to worry about, right? Because imagine getting a $40,000 camera, blowing your whole budget, and then you have a kit lens on that thing. Because, I mean, honestly, if you look at creators like Casey Neistat, they can make the you know the basic crop sensor cameras look better than a lot of people can make those red cameras look and it just comes from knowing you know how to tell a story it comes from just just back to the basics a lot of anything right you look at martial arts and a lot of the knockouts you see are very basic combinations it's a it's a very basic move you know it's just whenever you master the basics right and you you kind of focus on that a lot of the times it does come back to the basics like for me my photography i wasn't happy with it and what i had to do is i had to go back and say okay how am i composing my shot what are my angles coming from and then it's just it started getting back on track from there sometimes you get so caught up in the gear and doing these cool transitions and looking like this travel influencer and trying to compete against your friends that you you forget the basics and that's a very big thing that, that goes hand in hand with the new gear that you get because if you if you stick to that if you're really good at what you do and you get this new camera it's going to help you improve but if you let that learning curve and and the need to be extra kind of get a hold of you well then now you're not only you know you're not only lacking on the experience side of things now, but you're also lacking on the basics and that's that's not a good place to be either.
1: Absolutely, man. And, and you, you've touched on a really good point there and that's that a lot of people that I know and a lot of people that I see just don't spend anywhere near enough time just creating. And, like, I, 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 and the reason I know that is because I never used to do that. I remember I was on a client shoot. This would have been probably two years ago on Australia Day and I was shooting and I saw these people basically getting set up to take photos of the fireworks, and I remember looking at them and I caught myself so quick, but I looked at them and I thought to myself, why would you want to come down and just take photos if you're not getting paid to do it? And immediately, I like, I just flagged the thought and I was like, whoa, hang on, like, why am I even thinking this way? And this was before, this is when I was pre- pretty much just spending all my time shooting client stuff, which is good, but it's also, I was just in the mindset of I'm not going to shoot unless I'm getting paid. And it just stopped me from like learning new techniques and trying out different stuff because I'd basically got this this cookie cutter you know um, template of what a video looked like and I could bang them out you know all day every day it was super easy but that's also where I started getting bored as well but but what I'm trying to um, the thing I'm trying to talk about is that yeah a, a lot of people don't just create to create like there doesn't need to be a reason why you make a film where you go out and take photos like even if you you never post the photos anywhere who cares it, it's just the act of you know picking up your camera and going out and just doing stuff like just creating for the sake of creating and if you do that you know say if you, if you do that for you know an hour a day half an hour a day for a year straight like you would be an absolute gun at whatever you're doing like it, it, and it comes back to that same thing of like if, if you go to the gym like You don't get fit and you don't get healthy by, you know, going to the gym once a month and doing like an eight-hour session. You get fit and healthy by going to the gym consistently, you know, like half an hour a day, an hour a day, you know, three times a week. But over a long period of time, that's where it starts building up and you become a master at whatever you're practicing.
0: So like on YouTube too, uh, you're probably going to say this because, or you're going to agree with this, I'm pretty sure, Um, but it's better to put out, you know, 52 videos over 52 weeks than it is to put 52 videos in a month right because when you crash and burn like that you do nothing like like maybe your engagement starts going up in in the short term but so many people focus on that that they burn out and don't realize that hey you know i could have i could have utilized this content a little better Uh, not only in the fact that batch creating is nice but as you just keep creating, right, every time you pick up a camera, the goal should be to get 1% better, right? Because if, if you get 1% better every day, that's 365 times better every year. And if you just keep doing that you keep stacking up upon, like, you're going to look back one day. Like, ever. Just, just in the last month or two that I, I've been creating consistently, I've been putting videos out once or twice a week. On For me personally, on top of doing client work and on top of doing other stuff, I, I, I did this short film. And not only did it go way easier than I thought it was gonna go, it was also one of the best things I've put out. and the storyboards come together. And the great part about it is is now like I'm able to confidently turn thoughts into things. Like I'm able to, for my videos, especially, I'm able to kind of think up what I want. And then put it out, like make it a reality. And not only that, but sometimes I'm able to just kind of blow my own mind with what I get. Like I'll, I'll think of a drone shot I want to get and the, the sunrise and then the drone shot I, like comes out. And then now there's reflection off the boats or the trees or stuff like that that I didn't even think about. And it's just it comes alive. And with my photography now doing that daily. And going out and just having this creativity has allowed for me to be creative in certain spots. Like I did a photo in quarantine here that I really liked where I got the fake ficus plant here with the leaves. I put my head in it. And it, look, it has this total jungle vibe to it just because I was willing to kind of get over myself as a creator and, you know, take a, take a photo that a lot of people would have thought was silly, but it actually turned out to be a really good photo for me. And kind of like the start on, if I can do this inside, imagine what I can do outside when I'm able to get past this quarantine and go out and just do it. And so I've really learned to appreciate not only the creativity side of things, but also the business side. So I, I really... I really get where you're coming from and i, I agree a hundred a hundred percent
1: yeah absolutely man and, and i guess the big thing is that the difference between like any it doesn't matter what industry you're looking at but the difference between the people that have made it and the people that are failures are the people that made it stuck through it it's like like casey Neistat. everyone just sees him and they're like oh he's you know he's got whatever 10 million subscribers and he's made all this money and he's rich and famous and stuff but it's like Man, he was—he's been creating for like nearly like twenty years or something. He—he he in, like invented vlogging pretty much. He's—he's he's done all this stuff and he's put in the effort to get him to the position. He he did daily vlogging for like two or three years or something, didn't he?
0: Yeah. No, it was nuts. I've actually been watching a lot of those back. If you look at those beginning vlogs, they were still good vlogs. Like they were still well—uh—well uh, well put together. But if you look at the difference from his first vlog to the most recent one where he finally stopped, the, the, the difference is crazy. And kind of what you said, I think that's why he stopped is because he enjoyed doing it. And he got to that point where he was good at it and he was, he was turning around very quickly because he was also doing other work and films, if you remember, during that time. Uh, so, you know, he was creating constantly. And the whole reason he started was because he wanted to document his life because he was 36. Things started going well for him. There was a lot going on for him. He was traveling and he wanted to just kind of take advantage of it because it was getting in the way of his creation. And so instead of lying down and not creating because he, he started like two businesses since then or something crazy, um, or maybe even three. Uh, he, he Instead of letting that take control of how much he created, he made the creations kind of come first. And maybe not necessarily first, but he, he made sure that he created in some aspect every day. And if you look at that, kind of what Andrew was saying, where he would get these video templates, that's what Casey Neistat would do. He'd be like, all right, cool. Time-lapse, talking headshot, problem, solution, end the vlog and that's how it started happening and uh, it was very good it was very well thought out you know and it was a it was a routine and that that's i think the magic behind the vlogs is because for people they just kind of let the their their day dictate the vlog but casey neistat had a really good way of dictating his vlog around the day and kind of taking more control and having a cinematic filmmaker approach and he he had that attitude like not only that creativity but that um a shot 3 through what what is it he had a vlog with peter mckinnon where he said 3 okay shots are better than one award winning shot because three shots tell a story you can't tell a story with one shot
1: yeah absolutely and quickly going back to like you were saying about um releasing the 52 videos over 52 weeks if you think about it from an audience perspective say if you put out 52 videos in one month okay cool you might get a, a whole bunch of traction, but then if you don't do anything after that, then the people that are, are are wanting to follow you and subscribing and stuff, and then start showing interest, drop off very quickly because you're not staying consistent. And the other thing is, is that you really only need one video to blow up for you to, you know, get seen by a whole bunch of people. And if the person that is looking for, you know, the upcoming creator isn't online in that one month, and you're uploading then they're never going to see. Whereas if you're uploading once a week for the year, you have you know, 11 more chances in the month to be able to put something in front of... So was, so, sorry, 51 more chances in the year to be able to get in front of that potential person that's looking for upcoming creators to then boost you and, and put you into that, that next uh, stage of like being a creator.
0: Yeah, YouTube is definitely a long game and it's crazy and I'm, I'm coming to find that yeah. out more and more. And I mean, I've had a video where it kind of took off. Uh, I don't know, everything kind of stars aligned on it, and I almost had a hundred thousand views on one video. And then every time, like in the beginning, when I'd get over a thousand views on a video, I'd go, I'd get pumped, it'd go nuts. But like, I was so in, like I went from. Being super consistent because I would just do food challenges all the time. That's how I got my start is I started with food challenges. It's kind of interesting to say. And so I would just – every weekend I did a new food challenge and that's how it went. I I had that built into me before I even realized what it was. And then as I went out, I stopped doing the food challenges. I started trying to figure out what else I wanted to do. And then I just started making random videos. And I kind of got the wrong mindset that what do I think people would see? And so I let what I – not even real people, just people that I was thinking in my head making up in my head dictate the content that I made rather than making the content myself and having a fan base come. Because if you look at a TV show, the TV show is consistent, right? If if, if they're putting out uh, episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine every Wednesday at 6, you know every Wednesday at 6, you get to watch your favorite show. And so building that and building that trust and building the rapport is so important because it's almost like a TV production, right? Just on a you know personal scale and once once you stop showing up wednesdays at six people forget about you and your content very fast like if a tv show did that there would be such a dip in analytics there'd be such a dip in the money made and the, the show would probably get cancelled just just from missing a wednesday it's crazy
1: yeah absolutely and, and 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 that's the thing like i've seen so many creatives from when i was you know young and i was watching youtube you know eight nine years ago and there was like do you remember uh, ray william johnson i don't know oh my you, god such an, such an yeah, og
0: such an og Yeah, i don't know I, I,
1: don't, I don't know what he's doing now like if he's still creating but again it's like he was he was consistently putting out stuff he was huge and now like i haven't heard about him at all for the past you know five six years like i i don't even know if he's still creating or not but it's that thing it's like you can you can have a massive audience. You can be creating consistent, but as soon as you stop, it's like people, like you're saying, people just forget about you. They're, they move on to the next thing and they just forget about you.
0: Well, what's crazy too is I used to think that Rage William Johnson's production was the best production I've ever seen. It was just like a room with some, like, posters and stuff like that and a camera and some lights. It wasn't, you know, now I, I could recreate something like that. But at the time, I was like, oh, my God, this is the epitome of perfection. And, I mean, it was like that for a lot of YouTubers. You look at Jenna Marbles, nothing technically special about her videos other than the person personality she has and the personability she built with people. There was nothing like she didn't have a cinema camera. I don't even know what kind of f- camera she used, but – I didn't ever think about that because when I was watching her videos, like whatever, like there was a lot of these OG YouTubers, but uh, I would just watch it to laugh or to be amused or to watch her kind of talk to herself and her dogs. It wasn't, you know, because I was like, hey, I want to see her use a red camera. Hey, I want to see the production quality. No, it was just it was you, you have to realize that. People are coming to subscribe to you for who you are not necessarily the content you make right like the content helps and especially if you add value to people it helps right but there can be people that subscribe to you just because they like the jokes you make just because they like your attitude just because they like the the, the films you create you have to realize that there's there's more than meets the eye to an audience
1: yeah absolutely man 100 percent you literally nailed it on the head high hey
0: thank you i appreciate that i don't know all this is coming from like i did a sean cannell course and you know i mean (laughs) that and these film challenges i've been doing and the consistency and everything else like honestly like i said the more i've done it the more i have learned exponentially like i i thought that if i grinded really hard for a while i would do well i burned out and then it ended up i wouldn't create for a month and now I found a way that I put a video up every week or two times a week, and it's just been like like what you said. It's better to just kind of be there over the whole year, because right like like if you're there for the year, if you're putting out video content for a year, you have a a chance over that year for someone to find you. Whether as if you put up all this content in a month, you only have thirty days, you know, rather than three hundred sixty five days to be discovered. But on the other side of things, I just learned very exponentially, and I think that's. And what any creator will tell you is that's how, that's how it's done because it does get overwhelming. But when you learn one new thing, every time you pick up a camera, I mean, when you pick up a camera 30 times it's thirty new things. So with that yeah, being said, man. I, I do want to ask you like, like last question of the podcast, we're starting to get to the end. Um, I do want to ask you, how do you become a better creator? What do you do? What are your tips? Just, Yeah.
1: So number one for me is just taking action. Like you have to, you have to be creating outside of, you know, the client stuff you're doing outside of the the portfolio pieces. You it, even if you're not posting online, even if you're, like, even if there's literally no reason to be out to be creating whatever you're creating, just going out there and consistently doing stuff because that is where you're gonna learn those things. Like. Like, you you might go out and just shoot for the sake of it and, you know, your camera might crash and then you might spend, you know, an hour fixing it and figuring out how to do it. If that was on a a client shoot and that happened, like, you're screwed. Like, you you can't just be like, oh, hang on, sorry, I'll just, just give me half an hour to figure out what's going on with my camera. So, but by creating more consistently, you're obviously going to upskill a lot quicker. It's going to build your confidence up and it's just going to become second nature. Like, if you're going to client shoots and you're making videos and you're not having to think about, you know, is my camera, what's my shutter speed, what's my aperture, you know, like what's the exposure, like, all this stuff, if you're not having to think about it, it allows you to put all that energy and that thought process into creating a better story and to also just, you know, cohesively making a video that people are going to want to watch.
0: Honestly, I remember when that was such a big struggle. I would sit there and you would tell me shutter speed, like... Like, I know my way around around a camera, but you'll talk about specs and my eyes glaze over. That's how I am currently. It's just, I mean, I think that's how it is for creators. You kind of have to learn for yourself. But it used to be at the point where, like, shutter speed, ISO, like, all that stuff would just, the aperture would, uh, it was very, what is the word? Overwhelming. Everything's overwhelming about being a creator. But now it's to the point where I know that if I'm filming video manual, I used to just do it all auto And I'll do auto in very rare settings, like if I'm very on the go or the the conditions are changing like crazy, I'll do auto every once in a while for my personal stuff, really, most of the time. But uh, when I shoot manual, I know that I want to keep my shutter speed about 50 because I'm shooting 24 frames per second. I know that I'm playing with my aperture first and foremost because I don't want the image to be noisy. And then the ISO just kind of comes later. I know that I want to do it in certain increments. And where did that come from? creating all the time creating daily picking up a camera as often as i possibly can and so i think that's a really piece a really good piece of advice but uh anyways i think this podcast has been a great podcast i want to thank you for having you or i want to thank you for being on here and i want to say that i think the listeners here uh, can agree with me when i say i think everyone involved got a lot of value what do you think
1: yeah absolutely man There's, there's, there's just so much like cool stuff in in talking to other creators and, you know, throwing around ideas and just getting different opinions and stuff. And again, like that, this is what my whole channel is about. Like, my whole YouTube channel is about trying to inspire other people and teach, you know, the skills that they need to, you know, if they want to take their their videography or their photography full-time and and make a career out of it, then hopefully I can provide exactly what you need or exactly what they need to be able to do that. So, yeah, I I appreciate you um, allowing me to come on, man, and share some of my experiences and, and opinions.
0: Well, honestly, like I know a a lot of the creators here that listen to this podcast are going to get a lot of like value from this. But I got a lot of value from this, too. I got a new way to look at things. And that's what's been great about being a podcast host with other creators after the repivot is I've been learning just as much as I think my audience is going to learn. And I mean, one thing YouTube has taught me, like, like storyboarding video the action the execution the editing everything together right the whole process of making a youtube video can be applied to a business right the i mean the setting it up is finding clients calling people the action is the filming and then the editing is the same you just put it out right and so you can attack a lot of things the same way you can attack being a full-time youtuber and so it's it's just a good thing to have not only like sports are good to teach kids um, to help them learn life lessons growing up but youtube is really good for creators for that those same life lessons
1: absolutely man and it's and it's just like who knows you might be putting up some content just for the sake of putting up content and you might get seen by a big creator and they might like your stuff and they might share and you might blow up and you know you, you, you might be able to make some income from that like as many different income streams as you can create for yourself especially when you're doing this full-time is always better than none
0: absolutely i think that that's, that's a good way to put it everybody focuses on getting noticed by famous people but they don't put the work that it takes to get to to have that happen but we've never had a time where people have been so readily available can you imagine trying to reach jennifer lopez back in the 1700s having to find like buy like 12 carrier pigeons and you know just do all this crazy stuff like it, it just wouldn't happen now potentially if you're, you know, you're providing value or you just you just get lucky, you put out a tweet and she retweets her, she comments her, something like that. It, it could be that easy. Sometimes it does happen. Like I've seen it happen where I've been able to, you know, I remember one of the big people I reached a long, long time ago, like 2016, Lele Pons responded. Like I, I uh, had a back and forth with her in like Twitter DMs one time just because, I don't know it was it was like the uh i was in the military at the time and my buddies told me i'd never get a hold of her and so i just did everything i could to get a hold of her and (laughs) lo and behold i finally did to prove them wrong and so it was just it just goes to show you that anything's possible these days um but the one thing you don't want to happen i will tell you pro tip uh for those of you listening here the one thing you don't want to happen right is you don't want to meet these people when you're not ready, right? Because you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your training. And so imagine meeting Casey Neistat, wanting to collab. He says yes, and then you shit the bed, right? Your podcast doesn't work, your video camera doesn't start recording, and you just, you're just you sitting there panicked, and the one time you meet Casey Neistat like you wanted to just because you didn't put in that extra work now the only thing he thinks about you is wow i mean just another unprepared creator rather than going meeting up with him having a really good production setup and blowing his socks off right that that should be the goal so just keep that in mind
1: absolutely absolutely and and the other thing is like just quickly before we finish the the way that i'm approaching my youtube channel is that you know i might only have you know 1500 subscribers at the moment but i'm treating it like you know i've got 100,000 subscribers and I'm putting in the effort that I would be putting putting into videos that I'm making when I do have 100,000 subscribers because I don't want anything to change. Like, why should you be putting less effort in now because there isn't an audience there? Like, just put in the exact amount of effort that you're going to be putting in when you do have the audience and then when that one video goes viral or that one video gets seen, you've got this massive back catalogue of all this amazing content that people are going to binge And it will just exponentially allow that growth to just, like, take you wherever you need to go.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, like anything else, right, practice how you play. Because if you just kind of give a half-assed attempt in your videos... It's not going to be a good thing. Like when you go to do client work, you're going to be doing the same thing, going through the same motions, and it's going to reflect. And now you're not not going to be able to charge as much. It's just not good. So I I agree with that. And again, I want to say thank you one more time. Is there anything you want to plug, like your YouTube channel or your IG? I always forget about this until I'm wrapping up. But is there anything you want to plug, Andrew?
1: Uh, Yeah. So if you guys want to follow me uh, on YouTube, or actually on all socials, it's WA. Um, yeah, so Instagram is probably the best way to contact me. Um, just uh, send me a DM if you have any questions or you, you want to find out more. Um, I'd be happy to have a chat through there. But, yeah, again, um, I create t- between two to three videos a week for my YouTube channel. Again, it's all about teaching how to, you know, use camera gear, reviewing camera, uh, sorry, reviewing camera gear, teaching you, you know, how to use Premiere Pro, how to, you know, shoot t- time lapses, shoot hyperlapses, like all this cool stuff and all these techniques that you're going to need if you are going to want to be a better creator online.
0: Oh my God. Thank you. And to you, the listener, I want to say thank you so much for tuning into another episode. I hope you got all of the value out of this that you were expecting to get because I know I did. And I will see you on another episode until next Wednesday. I hope you take care and tune in next time. I appreciate you.